Welcome, welcome, welcome to Bard's Backlog. I am your host, Josh Gallegos, joined this week, of course, by Jared the Casual. This is episode number 23, 23 of these episodes, and it's a catalog of those video games inducted into the Hall of Games. We are the gatekeepers and subsequent executioners of any video game candidates, including today's. Right in? Our email is askvgb at gmail.com. Ask us questions there. You can, of course, support the podcast in those typical ways that you do in our modern world, social media, uh, following us on Apple Podcasts, giving us reviews, reviews being that coveted thing. You know, Jared, I feel like at some point we are like just going to dip into that Black Mirror episode where everyone just kind of rates everyone else constantly. Um, have you that's... watched through Black Mirror? That's an intense one. No, because uh, the show scares me, to be frank. So, no, <laughs> totally I haven't watched through all of them. I, I watched the one where they could record their memories and analyze them and go back, and he finds out his girl yeah. or wife or whatever cheats on him and has a, his kid is not his kid. And, like, oh, my goodness. And he's, like, obsessed over it the entire episode. Oh, my goodness, yes. And, like... Yeah. Yes, like it, it does. Ugh, I don't even want to talk about it because it's not what it's about. But that terrified me because that the horror stories that scare me, Josh, are not the ones where demons appear in, in like The Conjuring. The horror stories are the one where someone gets an idea in their head and slowly goes crazy. The Shining scares me more than The Conjuring does. Um, mm. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that senseless gore or anything with like rape in it, that's what bothers me because humans are the real demons, if you know what I mean. So that that's, I get it, yep. that that's the crazy stuff. But yeah, yeah, man. We are slowly dipping into that black mirror where we start rating each other. We already kind of do it. I was thinking the other day, because yeah. I'm, on, I'm on TikTok, like people who go viral are normally hot. Like they, like, you know, Absolutely. to use a perverse <laughs> cultural term, like they're normally hot. You either have to be very funny, which is also a form of hotness. It's attraction due to what seems like a quick-witted intelligence, you know, which we're, we, we, you know, we, we, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We code for that. We look for that in people. Is that quick intelligence? But yeah, almost all the people that go viral are hot. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but like, it's, uh, that's interesting. I think that makes total natural sense. It does, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but yeah, the last time on the podcast, we talked about the outer worlds. And of course, we did our first reaping of our backlog. Uh, titles those that have made it into the hall of games go and check out that episode i think that was a really great uh, conversation there yes uh, jared totally along agree. the lines of what you were just talking about <clears throat> this might be um a little bit too nuanced and heavy of a question to dive into thoroughly but do you think that women can be funny women can be funny yes or that yeah. women are funny yeah. But How about women are funny? I think maybe women are funny. Is women are funny? You know, that's so interesting. I don't... <sighs> so I what? was thinking about this the other day and, like, yeah. really thinking about it. Because yeah. I was like, man, I just don't know. Like, when I think of, like, favorite comedians, when I think of, like, the funniest... But, like, at the same time, I can think of a lot of women that I find, you know, funny and hilarious and make side comments and stuff. But, like, oftentimes it's always situational, um, yeah. and it's not like a consistent thing. I don't know. But I anyway, I was just thinking about it. It's just funny. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that women, due to their natural higher levels of oxytocin and, and estrogen and the ability to care for infants deep down biologically, that falls to women primarily if you look at hormonal levels and all that stuff. Because of that, women need to take compassion more seriously. Whereas if you think of your favorite male comedians, they're all savages. They're all savages. Yeah. Whereas yeah. your favorite you female comedian. have comedi- to be to compete. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So. When men can be that edgy, edgy thing, like, yes, of course, like, they're going to be your favorite comedians. But women doing that, it feels biologically wrong at times. Not it that they does, can't. Yeah. Not that they can't, but, you know, it does. Or, or they're just really crass and they try to be dudes. And I just don't care for that either. So women can be like, funny. It's, it's yeah. kind of like an acquired taste sort of thing, too, I think. Yeah. To an extent, like comparing it to like drinking coffee black it's like not everyone's gonna like it um but maybe if you do it over time or like just kind of get used to that concept it might you might be able to appreciate it more i don't know i think Um, some of the girls i I see on tiktok are absolutely hilarious but a lot of that is like setting up up a punchline with a good setup and a context and all that different stuff and that's like that's still funny to me like i I totally give them credit for that because that's a lot more thorough and um uh, successful of a punchline than I think I could probably pull off. Yes, exactly. On that. So, like, yeah, I, I totally agree there. And and I think my wife is hilarious. Like, I think she is so cute and funny. Um, but I also know I'm biased. <laughs> so, right, right. Um, but thought I'd pose that question, not trying to offend anyone. Um, <laughs> just philosophically wanted to think that through. Jared, let's talk about the games we've been playing. What you got for me? Anything? Have, no, nothing, friend. I've been playing. Uh, I've been playing fast and loose with my sleep schedule. My goodness, I don't know what it is, but like I am complete. You know what I know? I know exactly what it is. It's Sekiro. <laughs> I've been up playing. I've been up playing Sekiro till three a.m. at times, and so uh, wow. I've been playing fast <laughs> and loose with my sleep schedule. Can't even. I, I, yeah, well, you work in the evening, sleep. right? I do I do that too. So I get home at eleven thirty and then, you know, I'm I'm just wanna relax and un, unwind. So it just it's but a that's, recipe. I mean for that doesn't mess up things too much, right? Because you're able to sleep in to an extent. A little bit, yes. A little bit, yeah. So it's it's still brutal though. It's not good for me to not have a sleep schedule. But other than that, Josh, yeah. I have not sure. been playing anything other than our feature game for this week. Okay. That's totally fair. It's a it's a heavy one and also I know you're a busy busy man bringing home the bacon and the yes, butter sir. um i have been playing my brand new playstation 5 that i picked up uh two weeks ago now i think uh maybe only a week maybe it was last week and is it life-changing like all of the advertisements say it is <laughs> it's pretty cool um i i like it a lot there's a lot of features of it that are really nice especially after like comparing it to the PlayStation 4, it really shows off how old the PS4 is. And mm-hmm. I have 
I have a refurbished launch console. So it's an old dude. I, th- I don't remember when. I can't think of the exact year that the PS4 came out, but it's been a long time. Yeah. Um, it very well could have been 10 years ago, um, 2011, or earlier. I think it was earlier. I think it was like 2008. No, 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 no. That's PS3 that I'm thinking of. That's too That's too far back. Um, anyway. Um, so compared to that, it's just like it's so much faster. That's like the biggest thing that I've noticed is... You start it up, it goes right to the menu, you click on a game, and it loads right into it. Like, it's funny, because Karina and I, now that we have two consoles, because I didn't get rid of my PS4, will play Apex every now and then. And one of us will be on the PS4, and the other will be on the PS5, We kind of take turns. And whoever's on the PS4 just takes longer getting into the menu, and the person on the PS5 has to wait. And it's, like, a decent amount of time. Like, it's, like, two minutes long. Like, mm. you're just sitting there waiting for them as everything's loading up on the PS4. Like, it's turning on. The game is loading up. It has to, like, register that you picked it. And then it has to actually, like, start up, you know, the whole software and everything. So, like, it's it's really interesting seeing those little small things like that. And then even within that, you can see, like, within Apex, I mean, you can see, like, minor graphical improvements and just, like, capabilities. Just, like, seeing a little bit further. It just looks a little bit sharper. Um, So small stuff like that are, like, Mm. interesting little comparison notes. On top of that, man, I love this controller, Jared. Have you seen a picture of a PS5 controller? Like, do you know how, like, distinct it looks from kind of, like, what came before? I'm sure I have, but I can't bring it to the front of my mind right now. So the PS4 controller was interesting because it has that big old touchpad in the middle, which is very distinct. Right. Um, Which is, like, supposed to, like, create this level of immersion. And it works to an extent. I I think it's a a decent thing. It's basically a big button in a lot of games, but it can be used every now and then. But the PS5 controller kind of takes that original promise of, like, just, like, further immersion with your controller and fully capitalizes on it. And it's really cool. Like, it's a it's a neat little experience. Like, it's not something that, like, is going to blow your mind. Like, I'd say the last time in gaming that I really had my mind blown was when I got the VR, or when I first tried VR. That was, like, a leap in my mind. This isn't that. It's not a huge leap like that and, like, holy crap, this is going to totally change your life. But it's so cool how just, like, in small little ways you can build in more immersion. For instance, they have... Uh, they call it 3D audio. It's a little microphone in your controller, and it'll transmit little noises from the games up close to you. So if you're not wearing a headset, then you'll get those little sounds there, and it, it does make you feel a little bit closer to the TV. It's just kind of weird, but it's like a small little effect, and it works pretty well. And then the real feature is the adaptive triggers, which are really awesome in the games that utilize them. Um, basically, they're... they're um, they're very sensitive to how hard you're pushing on them. And you can kind of feel like thresholds of amount of stress that you put on the button that will do different things in different games. So, like, uh, I was playing Ratchet and Clank, and each of his guns pretty much has, like, a, a type of use when you hold it down slightly or, like, halfway. And then when you click it down all the way, it will do whatever its, like, typical standard thing is. Mm. And... So, it, like, within the trigger itself, there's some options there. And it it actually, like, feels like it gives you resistance. So, it, like, it feels like there's two different options there. 
Um, and so it's not hard to use. It's actually very intuitive. And in that way, it feels like you got a little bit more control, can maybe mix things up, um, and does help with immersion as well. So just in like the experience of the console as a whole, it's been awesome. And I've been having a really good time with it, and I highly recommend it. <laughs> All right. Um, that being said, I haven't tried a Series X, so I don't know if I could necessarily recommend it over that. But our our feature for this week, uh, I got mad at my controller quite a few times, <laughs> thinking that yeah. the controller was the problem. But yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, uh, sometimes it is, dude. <laughs> sometimes it is. Okay, so then thank you for validating me because I I was like maybe I'm going crazy, but I'm pretty sure because I have the Xbox One, which was. I just looked it up, released in 2013, while the PlayStation 4 was released in 2016, actually, um, according to Google. Although that feels like too recently. You know what I mean? Like, my sense of time is so mm-hmm. weird. Like, I feel like Trump just got elected <laughs> yes, yeah, yesterday. You, you know what I mean? Things but, are very uh, distorted in the last decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, so I, I have definitely been, like, smashing them buttons and been like, wait, didn't I hit that button? I'm pretty sure I hit that button. Right. But now you make me want to get a PS5. <laughs> I mean, those are, you know, those are like typical gamer moments. <laughs> so yes, like I, yes. I mean, I feel like that's, I've probably had a couple of those moments anyway on the PS5 where it's like, ah, oh, I thought I did it, but actually I'm just stupid and didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's definitely, there's, there's a quality to the controller. And part of that is because it's new, you know? Uh-huh, so uh-huh. like these controllers I've had are not fresh out of the box, but like switching, it's just so interesting switching between the two because the the ps5 controller is just like weightier it feels just like a little bit more like like a presence while you're playing and it's a welcome one that really does i think benefit the experience and then the ps4 controller is just kind of there it's a little light uh feels kind of cheap by comparison yeah which is funny because it really wasn't when it came out like it was very nice and a really good update from the playstation 3 um but nonetheless, really awesome. Really having a great time with it. Um, uh, the other like big benefit of getting this has been that I've been able to play games with my wife online, which has actually been awesome mm-hmm. because she loves Apex. So like in the past, if we wanted to play games, we'd have to play on the Switch probably, or like get like a co-op game on the PlayStation Four. Right. Uh, but typically, she'd want to play Apex, and so that I'd be like, yeah, okay, you can do that for a couple hours this evening i'll you know i'll go read or uh do something else in the meantime and so we kind of had to like take turns you know yeah and now we don't have to we can both hop on so when she's playing i can be right there with her and we can be having a good time so that's been like the biggest change i think in like just how the the tenor of like my life is going actually is like being able to (laughs) as far as like the playstation 5 goes i mean um has been being able to actually like sit down and play with it. it's been really fun like it's it's awesome yeah uh we've been having a good time so couples who game together stay together for sure yeah yeah we'll see i mean our life's about to get super busy so we've just been kind of enjoying that this yeah. summer um while we can but i i don't know if i want to jump into all the games because there's been a lot and i have a lot of different impressions uh demon souls ratchet and clank uh mortal Kombat. i started on the playstation 5 and it looks so good Oh my goodness, it is so gorgeous on the PS5. Mm. Um, we like I got Apex on there, so we've been playing that as well. So like a lot of different games, uh, been having a good time, uh, soaking up the time with this new console before uh, the semester starts. So it's been awesome, and that's been pretty much what I've been doing there you go. <laughs> this last week. Yeah, man, <laughs> pretty much. So 
uh, great times there. And that'll be it for the games we play in. Default segment this week is unprepared. We have nothing for you specifically, but I did want to throw the ball to Jared and have him pitch a concept, a, a, a segment to me, a topic for this. Take it away, Jared. Yeah, I, you know, Josh was, uh, he's like, what should we do for the default segment? And I was thinking, it, um, I'll start with where my thought process was, was like someone had asked me if, if having children was a deal breaker for people who are mismatched on that. Someone wants to have kids, someone doesn't. So should they not be together? Is that considered like a core value? Is that too big a deal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I was thinking about, you know, how time, time marches ever onward and we're just we have no concept of time and how that interacts with people like this whole the whole concept of having children is like well you might not have anyone to take care of you when you get old but no one thinks of that they think of the hassle of having children in your middle ages right or or even during that prime season of your 20s or whatever else no one thinks about the fact that millionaires are old the average millionaire the, the age is over 45 Mm-hmm. It takes time to get there. The average yep. artist who reaches their peak is often has has been doing that for years. And I was asking Josh, I was like, you know, do, do we ever? And the answer is yes. But like, do we ever worship talent too much when we should be really respecting the time? When you meet an artist who like sings on stage or whatever else, like they did not get there overnight unless. They're very, very exceptional. The majority, the vast majority, up in the 90%, right? Above 90% of people who are in a profession are people who have put in the time and have been there for a long time. And I think that that's what you could call like the Timothy principle, right? It's like this man who's going to be a minister should not be young if he, if, if it is all possible. He should have his house in order. He should be, he should be, uh, et cetera, all these different things. He should be wise. He should be all this different stuff. And we have this concept that like we come face to face with talent so often that we don't respect the time it takes to get good at something. And so I guess yeah. I just kind of, the default question is where in your life, and I'll ask you this, Josh, where in your life do you think you respect talent too much? You respect talent more than time. Long wind up to a, a simple question, but what do you think? Yeah, <clears throat> that's an awesome pick, first of all, for this segment. <laughs> I think that's a great question um, because it is so distorted in our modern era. Um, things just feel like they're moving at a rapid pace because yeah. of technology, because of smartphones and everything. Yep. And so we, I think we're a lot more stressed than we were before. We're a lot more um, uh, self-conscious, anxious. Like all of these things are happening because of modern technology whereas before in the past we lived in a little bit more of a slow moving world you know yeah um you had to take like um a ship to get places you had to like even if you went to go fight a war (laughs) and if you wanted to get across the continent you had to take a train and stuff and that would sometimes take um days 
to get from one location to the other. And like those, like just waiting for the process of harvest and reaping, waiting for um, the next election and all the cycles with that, like all the different, like slower time frames and people not having, like the other thing is we're, I think the other part of it is our, our time is getting so eaten up by um, the technology as well on the mm-hmm. side. Mm-hmm. where before we would have kind of just been bored <laughs> like sure. we would have had like you know more idle quieter um just more time to think more uh space there where maybe we would have had more clear head more of a time to maybe hone in on specific goals those yep. ones that were occupying our lives where the rest of the time was uh, kind of empty with nothing else to do and so like you were you were using that in different ways and you were using that maybe applied toward other goals and you were kind of bettering the world around you whereas before we can sap hours or not before but now we can sap hours of time just uh waking up in the morning and checking out twitter and and that's nothing to say about netflix that's nothing to say i mean we're a video game podcast so like we're you know pots calling kettle black here but like it's just everywhere all the time and because of that it's just a combination of the two we feel like everything's moving faster even though in the real world that's not how things work and at the same time we're having that precious time i think that uh before everyone kind of just had it was kind of just naturally built into what was going on yeah uh that we're wasting on other things on fleetless uh worthless pursuits um so yeah all that to say sorry go go ahead finish up no finish up i was just gonna say all that to say i think the thing that i I really lose sight of a lot of the time is um just accumulation of of knowledge and and wisdom maybe is a more specific word yeah that just occurs with age and with study and Mm -hmm. with thoughtful um pursuit with um really just like putting in again just just time and effort into um really focusing in on principles and thinking through concepts and so on and so forth and and then being able to gain that wisdom from that and i look at like other pedagogues other older teachers who have just spent years doing that and honing their own wisdom and i always feel so inadequate in the face of that and i just got to recognize that that is just something that's going to come with time it's gonna come with me putting in effort every day and that's the that's the part i need to focus on and that's where i was gonna say actually um to to not counterpoint you but just to add to what you're saying was uh you said like looking at the millionaires in the world a lot of them are in their 40s at least or above that's the average right most of them are older than that yeah Right, they've put in that time, but at the same time, these are also very disciplined people. Yes, um, yes. Like, if you look at any, like, major celebrity who has been on the scene for more than, you know, half a decade, they they are some of the hardest working people. Oh, yeah. They are some of the most, you know, uh, specific, down to the minutia, planning out what they're going to be doing. Um, they're disciplined in just like how they eat, what like, uh, you know, just pulling back on their own appetites. And then at the same time, they, they kind of flip flop, but <laughs> yeah. a lot of them that, that stay around, you know, are the, like some of the most disciplined people in the world. And so it's, it's time, but it's time well spent, I think, yes. um, is the specific thing that again, does make the difference between, um, true talent or just even the hard work that can produce that talent and the amateur the yeah. guy at the at the start of it so 
the difference between the difference between the prodigy and you is that it's going to take you to learn. You know, it's going to take you a year to learn a guitar. It's going to take them maybe a week or a month. You know what I mean? But you can't expect yep. that. That's the one in a, a one in a lifetime talent that just doesn't happen like that. You respect the grind. Respect because oftentimes people who are prodigies like that will peak earlier and earlier like child stars, right? Like, um, what's the kid whose name was in Home Alone, right? I can't remember his name. Uh, Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> yeah, Macaulay like child star. But when was the last time you saw him in something great? Yeah. It, 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 you know what I mean? So like, and that was something where Prodigy essentially was given to him. Yeah, he was great in Home Alone. Like I enjoy, you know, I enjoy him as the protagonist, but, but that was something that was thrust upon him. And oftentimes people with these talents, it's thrust upon them. And then they crumble under the pressure because they haven't spent 60 years acclimating to their greatness. Does that make sense? Like you really, like yep. only, mm-hmm. only God can handle unbridled worship. Human beings crumble under the immense spiritual pressure that comes with worship. They crumble Dude. or they turn into demons. Like the, we, we That's cannot... the story of like all the emperors of the Roman Empire. It's exactly <laughs> like... right. Anytime you deify a human, they crumble, they disappear, they twist, or they, they, they merge into this monstrous thing, and it's ugly and it's gross. And you have to, you have to worry about that with, with supreme talent. You, you know your high school bullies. You know your high school track stars and superstars, you know, the runners and the track stars. They're all, they're, a, a lot of them struggled mightily with ego issues. You have to respect the time way more than the talent or else that's the monster that you get, I feel like. You can learn guitar, but you need to set your mind to the fact that it's going to take you at least a year to get good at it, you know, depending mm-hmm. on your talent, obviously. And that's okay. You know, California is not slow just because it's a couple hours behind New York. There's, there's, a, there's a tremendous wisdom in respecting the time over the talent. So I don't know, just a thought exercise. I think our generation, because we're inundated with the internet and we see these prodigies up close and personal in our faces on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter, we're like, oh, I, I could be them. Maybe you don't want to be them. You know what I mean? Like maybe you want to be the 55-year-old gentleman who has a couple kids and who's well taken care of because he lived a life humbly and worked hard and mm-hmm. stayed out of the news, right? All the celebrities that you talk about that work hard also, because they're working so hard, don't have time to make the headlines. Don't have time to get in the news in a bad way. Don't have time to be the subject sure. of tabloids because they're working too hard and you need to do the same. Work harder. <laughs> so anyway. So so answer your question then, Jared. Um what was in your life the example of maybe you looking at something and forgetting that maybe it was time that got them there and you're just too focused on the talent side of things? Anyone who's respected for the wisdom that they bring to the table. It is unfair of me to expect to have the adoration of thousands, of, of millions per se, like for saying the same thing that, um, let's say, Jordan Peterson does. It would be unfair of me to... Mm. To say, even like, let's say I didn't know about Jordan Peterson, and I'm a big fan of him, but let's say I was spouting the same wisdom that he was. At 24, the fact that I'm 24 holds me back from being, oh, I'm 25 now, but I'm saying, like, as a 24 year old, that's when I, like, really started throwing around what he was saying, and and I was learning from him, but, um, if I, if I at 24 started to say those things and expected the adoration of a man who has put years and years and years into this stuff, that'd be unfair of me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he, he did the work. He taught at Toronto and he taught at Harvard and he taught, 
And so now he has respect and he has a base to build off of. And then he got on YouTube and then he did this and then he did this. You, you need to respect the time that it takes to get to that level and not expect the world to fall into your lap as a prodigy. I, I, I say that just because as an extrovert who relies heavily on verbal skills, that's something that I have to reconcile with daily. You know, it's like, oh, the, the gift of gab, right? But it needs to be tempered with time for sure. So that's one example. There's plenty, but yeah. That's a good one. Um, do you think that, um, do you think that we're like too, too influenced these days by everything around us? Like there's just like too much being fed in that is kind of like just making us into really, like here, I guess what I'm saying is like, I feel like I have a lot of opinions that are not original, yeah. that are not original thought. I'm just kind of like parroting mm-hmm. things that I've heard. I, mean, I feel oftentimes I, I covet having an original thought because I feel so influenced by everything. Yeah. And the older I get, the more I feel inclined to kind of just unplug from yeah. from people's reviews from people's remarks people's response to news whatever it is yeah um just so i can like forge my own thought process and pass with it <laughs> yeah um i don't know if you feel that way i do i, I, I do. do sometimes in this yeah world. i need to peel away and have an original thought yeah absolutely i need to you know and and part of that is it's very hard to do you can't get on twitter and look at information and just get information oftentimes you're getting the spin as well you know what i mean you can't get you can't get just the raw unedited form for you to think on for yourself you almost always are getting a spin from cnn or fox news or whatever journalist is parroting this as well you know so it's hard to have an opinion of your own because people don't let you have your own opinion they don't tell you just the facts hey that tractor is red what they'll say is that tractor is a beautiful red thus injecting into the conversation their judgment on that red, right? And that's just an arbitrary example. But yeah, it's so hard to not be influenced because people are putting those descriptors out in front of everything that they say. Just in, Trump discloses uh, majorly uncomfortable news about his uh, Hunter Biden's laptop or whatever, if you want to get political, uh, (laughs) bad implications for administration, right? Like the word bad in there, uncomfortable, uh, implications, like all these carry negative connotations that it's not just, you know, um, laptop found. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's coloring to everything. And so, yeah, I do. It's, it's, it's difficult, but it's, it's also difficult to get information without getting the spin. So, it relies on yeah. your creative thinking. In the As far as original thoughts, though, like, yes, unplugging from everything will breed creativity. Why do you think it is that millennials are, like, the least handy generation? They don't know how to take care of cars or stuff. They're always calling for help with their air conditioning or whatever. They don't know how to do it themselves yeah. because we are the generation that was raised on the, the blossoming social media. And so instead of tinkering in the garage, we ended up swiping through Instagram. Like, that was our lifestyle. And that's, and that's what I'm saying. Like, that yeah. time that would have been spent yes. doing some of these more practical things is now spent, yeah, swiping right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. That was a great conversation. I'd love to keep talking about this. It's got, um, give me a little Jun 2 flashbacks or, or Spark flashbacks. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Classic throwback there. I don't know where those episodes are, Jared. I think they're oh. still on SoundCloud still, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. I that. was looking on on Apple Podcasts and there was like 
like half of them were missing. And mm. I, I wonder if that was because I had canceled subscriptions or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But sad days indeed. Uh, nonetheless, that is the end of our default segment for today. Thank you, Jared, for that fantastic topic about time and how to spend it properly. What is the hour? Do you know what that, that statistic is? It's like how many hours it takes to master a skill. Someone said, I um, think uh, someone t- said 10,000 hours, but the idea is that yeah. it takes a long time. I, it's kind of like Jesus says, how many times should you forgive right. 70 times seven? It's not that it's a specific number. It's that it should just take it. You should be very forgiving and you should put a lot of time into things you care about. Those are like the, just the principles there. But yeah, it was like 10,000 hours, I think. Which is not a small amount of hours. <laughs> no, no, it's not. But, <laughs> but it's but also it's the still average. Like, the average amount of time it'll take you to complete the game that we're going to talk about for our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll leave it with that then and jump into the pick of this week. And that is, as Jared just alluded to, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. As of this recording, Sekiro is the most recent release of From Software. They're uh, just one of their own original titles here. I think they might have helped with a couple of titles since then. I might be wrong about that. Um, but as we look forward to Elden Ring, Sekiro is their most recent work. And so it is very modern. It is uh, has a lot of the trappings of what you'd expect of really the end of the last console generation. And because of that, it is an interesting, I think, a dichotomy that we can make here between that and Dark Souls that we talked about uh, a few episodes ago. So let's jump into it, Jared. Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. My, oh my, what a game. Jared, before we even talk about impressions, actually, I just want to ask you one question. What was your big stuck in this game? My big stuck? Yeah, where, when did you get that big stuck where you just like were slamming your head against the wall? Oh, the ogre. Just, at the start? Yeah, the chain ogre, yeah. That was worse than that? <laughs> yeah. Did oh, you my not? Goodness, man. Did you not? The ogre did, the ogre was, yes, I, I, I agree that one's, a lot of those mini bosses at the start are the ones that are, I think, very seared into people's brains um, because of just how um, ruthless they are with the rules of the game <laughs> and if you do not adhere to the rules precisely they punish over and over and over and so yeah i could totally see why the ogre so how long did it take you to to take that guy down then oh i don't that know angry red-eyed probably freak. Four, 45 tries maybe more um i don't know how much time uh, yeah I how'd was, you do it how did i do it um just just being careful being cautious and realizing that many more of these bosses were going to take time and energy to whittle away and just to be careful and look for the signs like the ogre is another skill check he's a skill check for um right the grab 
because yep. he's got such a wide grab. Whereas the general before that is a skill check for the sweep, which is another huge thing in the in the thrust and like kind of a basic uh, whatever. But like the general before him, I did beat before I went to the ogre. But like I recognized him as a skill check. I didn't see it in the ogre until like much later on. So I just thought I sucked. You know, I was just like this was. So frustrating. Um, well, and, it's likely that you did. Yes. Well, still <laughs> at do. that point. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've you've pushed pushed on past that. I mean, I was just thinking, uh, you there is there is a point in this game, and I was going to ask this for my follow up question. Um, although maybe I can tell you about when I, about my big stuck, uh, my playthrough, uh, which was the gorilla. I think. Okay. Uh, all right. If I had to really pick something, it would have to be the uh, what's his name, the ancient gorilla, guardian ape. Like yeah. Guardian ape, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he he really he gave me some some sweaty times uh, trying <laughs> to take that guy out. But um, uh, when did so so this game and this is what I was gonna say is when this game uh, proceeds as you continue on into it, there is a point for every player where you either have to get good or give up. Yes. So my question is, Jared, and this is part of because you just said that you're still terrible at it, but I, I, I truly believe in order to make it to where you are right now, you had to have gotten good at some point. When do you think that turning point was for you? That I got good. Uh- <laughs> when do you feel like you actually really started to like? Okay, I've got a a, ca- a cadence to it. You know, I can like yeah. pay attention to the signs a little bit better. I'm not as stressed in each fight. You know, yeah. I'm a little more calculating. Like, when did you start to really start to get a grasp on uh, this game? The true corrupted monk. If I'm being perfectly honest, it was okay. not. Yeah, because I still felt like I cheesed every enemy up until the true corrupted monk, where I just got good and 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 beat her nicely. Like, I, I really did feel like I had to cheese almost everyone. And by cheese, I mean, like, run away for most of the time or overly rely on gimmicks, like the prosthetic tool, especially the firecracker. Like, to me, that's just really gimmicky, mm-hmm. and I used it a lot less than maybe I even was designed for, to be honest with you. But, like, I really felt like the true corrupted monk, bef- that barrier to the entry after you get wrecked by the straw dude and brought to the divine <laughs> realm, like, that barrier to entry to that divine realm is when I matched that boss blow for blow, read the signs flawlessly, and, nice. and just just got good at that. That was when I felt like I actually knew what I was doing. Um, that, and it took me a while to beat that boss, but by the end of that boss fight, just something about the tempo of that fight specifically, that's why yeah. if you ask me who my favorite boss is, that's going to be my answer. It was the true corrupted monk. Really? Uh, and we'll get, okay. Yeah, we'll because get to that, that later because I know you wanted to ask sinking. that question. But that's when I felt I got good. Not until that late in the game, to be honest okay. with you. Yeah. I think I'm, I I agree that like they're pretty much up to that point. Most of them can be cheats to an extent, but you have to have been skilled certainly to get past Owl. Yes. Um, and and yeah. to be to be honest, um, Owl, Owl is one that you, you almost have to... He's got so many mix-ups. You almost have to kind of cheese him a little he, bit. You can't just yeah. face off against him because he's gonna yes. dart away. He's gonna drop a little thing on you and yep. make you unable to heal or whatever. Yeah, he's and, also got a couple unblockables too that you have to run around anyway. So right. that's interesting so too. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of just like a it's like a dart. Like you're just both running around each other. Like yeah, crazy school children. But um, so I would say like you, you in order to get to that. But I will say. Uh, just trying to get back on track here. The true corrupted monk, you have to be good to 
get past that point. So maybe that's not your moment of get good, but if you haven't had your moment of get good up until True Corrupted Monk, you're going to have to. Fair enough. <laughs> like that's, yeah. I feel like that's a, that's a really good check for sure. And that was a really good standout boss for me as well. Um, Cause it is, it's like a, just a deflect match, but it's not an easy deflect match. Like um, that mini boss that has the claws and is on all fours. And he like slash, 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 yeah. slash, 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 slash. It's like over and over and over. And it looks like it's overwhelming, but it's actually just a really easy cadence if you're paying attention close yeah. enough to it. Um, whereas Corrupted Monk is along those lines where you have to be good at deflecting, but the patterns are a little bit more nuanced. They're a little bit uh, just more spread out is the big thing. And because of that, you have to be precise. And so it it does push that side, the skill side of things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, any other thoughts with that? Uh, that is a good. That, that that's a good get good moment for yeah. sure. But that is a lot later than I was expecting. Yeah, yeah. All of the because well, here's the thing. Like, so I'll say I'll say why that is. Like with the owl, he has a he throws two ninja stars, then he has an, a jump overhead slash where he comes down really hard, and that's always an opening. You can always have plenty of time to pivot around him and slash him with twice, once or twice, always. So for him, it was just a matter of like running around and staying away until he did that move and then slash him. That move, then slash him. You see what I'm saying? So I still yeah. didn't feel like I was able to go toe for toe with these people. With Janichiro, the, uh, the first major like you absolutely cannot progress the story until you beat this moment. Janichiro, I shadow rushed him. Do you remember the skill that you can buy, like the shadow rush? Like I yeah, literally went out pop behind him. I grinded and killed every living thing in that map until I had enough skill points to buy Shadow Rush. And then I just Shadow Rushed him. Like I probably Shadow Rushed, because it doesn't cost Spirit Emblems once you run out of them. So like you can stop doing the jump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally just Shadow Rushed him to death in that fight, which is still cheesing it. You see what I'm saying? So like we're talking about major bosses that I just kind of didn't feel like I could match blow for blow until I got to the true Corrupted Monk. And then at that point I was like, all right, now I'm actually feeling pretty confident here. So yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that was my reasoning, really. Makes sense. So then, uh, that being said, we've kind of talked some very specific moments already, but Jared, just overall drawing back real quick, what is your impression of this game, and how do you feel about it now versus how you felt about it when you started? Yeah, I feel about it um, now the same way that I did when I when we started, my impression hasn't changed a ton, but I'll tell you some of the things that I love. So like we went from Dark Souls, uh, my first introduction to From Software, right? So this game felt vaguely familiar. The checkpoints that you you can't just activate a checkpoint. You have to like actually risk it for the biscuit and beat all of the enemies or find a safe little alcove and you know rush back, you know, uh, to the checkpoint area, which covers large areas. Um, but then, right. but I, but the change in speed from Dark Souls is amazing. You are a oh my goodness, dude, a yes. fast flying high shinobi as opposed to a lowly ground ridden heavy knight for the most part. Um, and, and and but I also loved that the elements from of from software games of being creepy, of being eerie, of like. The, that violin when you first find Headless, oh my goodness, that moment. Like yes. That, that eerie creepiness, that violin going, wah, 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 wah. Like that's, that's, that's ins- insane stuff. And I love, too, um, the emphasis on stealth in this game as opposed to other uh, the Dark Souls. It, so 
I have two disclaimers to the audience here. One, I've only played Dark Souls, Remastered, and Sekiro. So I don't have any other frame of reference, unfortunately. Josh has played much more, so you gotta take what I say with a grain of salt and, and listen to him a little bit more on this. But um, just between those two, and the other disclaimers that I didn't actually finish this game. I'm going to, but I am just below, before the last boss, but we'll get to that. Anyway, um, and then, so my last uh, impression, heavily dependent on stealth, but then also, this feels like an improved, streamlined, and slightly more shallow version of Dark Souls. Shallow in a good way, yeah. as in a product that's been defined better. But, but It's an that's, action game as yeah. opposed to an RPG. Yes. And so in that way, it's, it's, it's focused. And yeah, you could definitely use the word shallow in that way because you don't have... And this is part of, um, you know, just my distinctions that I wrote down here. Um, you don't, you don't have shields. You don't have right. ma- magic. You don't have all kinds of different Correct. weapons. You've got your one katana. You've got your basic set of moves and that's pretty much it. In that way, it kind of has like a, a breath of the wild ish vibe where it just kind of gives you everything at the start. And your focus is just on the world itself and on the combat. And, um yeah in that way it's it's like dark souls but it's very focused it's like purified from Mm -hmm. software yes in its own way yes Um, but a lot of people might miss some of those other things that are in the series um in the series prior or even in bloodborne so uh it's it's a give and take but because of the the focus of this game it really is very very pure Mm -hmm. um as well did you play in japanese or english just japanese japanese i don't I don't like hearing English voice actors in Japanese settings. It feels wrong. I don't know why. It just feels wrong. I don't like anime dubbed either. I I don't, for the most part. There's a couple exceptions, but I I don't know why. I'm just weird like that, I guess. So, yeah, I listen to it in Japanese. I know what you mean. (laughs) I did the, my first playthrough of the game is all Japanese. I switched it to English for the second playthrough just out of curiosity, um, but I still prefer the Japanese. Actually, it felt really weird hearing it in English, even towards uh, the end of my playthrough, so um, definitely would prefer that. I don't know what the what the um, default setting is for that. I didn't I change I anything. It. it started in Japanese, so I don't know. Okay. Interesting. Good. Yeah. Good. I think, I think yeah, Sekiro, like Ghost of Tsushima, I don't think I'd feel comfortable playing that in English. It's just not, yeah, I totally agree. It's just something weird about it. Yeah. I don't, I feel like the English voice actors like are trying too hard. Like for me, like mm. this is my normal talking voice right here, but I could also lean in and try to push it really low if I wanted to. And I just feel like that's what they're doing well, for every character. And it feels, it's so cringe. It feels cringe to me. Uh, maybe I'm that's the only a from software thing. It's like they, all of the like NPCs are like kind of weird sounding and a little off putting. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of cringy. <laughs> I kind of yeah. like that. Um, but okay, cool. So overall impressions kind of stayed the same throughout the game. Um, I guess we can just jump into gameplay then. Yeah. How was your adjustment to it from something like Dark Souls or even after taking a break with like the Outer Worlds and stuff? How was your adjustment into the actual um, combat and the, the systems that were there? Yeah, the adjustment was very clear what I needed to do. Like, for instance, like um, Dark Souls, um, I just am not sure what you want from me half the time. I, I'm really just not. It's like you, you could, especially playing, trying to play as a sorcerer and remembering back to those times, it's like I, I just don't know 
what you want. I don't know why certain attacks don't work or whatever else. Like, or as Sekiro, it's like you deflect that blade or you die. It's very simple. <laughs> that's, that's your only option. It's like you deflect yes. that smack or you die. And I also loved the fact that you can deflect everything. You can actually, yes. I, I saw this online, you can actually deflect the, um, there's an ancient dead warrior or whatever that he, he rises like purple spirits from the dead. You can deflect his spiritual attack. Like that's how much the game relies on deflection. And so mm-hmm. um, that's so straightforward. Whereas in Dark, Soul, uh, in Dark Souls, if you get hit by a big sword, you die because there's nothing yeah. you can do about it. Like you just, you have to, so the emphasis, I guess what I'm saying could be summed up much faster by saying don't dodge roll, deflect. As opposed to Dark Souls is run. <laughs> so, you know, much different vibes for sure. But I love that you could take on this big baddie and like Josh told me right at the start of the game, I was like, any tips? He's like, you can deflect just about everything. And I was like, all right. I took that to heart, and I tried to deflect everything. And sometimes I yeah, got and it, sometimes I didn't. That can kind of actually really uh, segue into my next point really well. Um, this game's combat system is so precise and focused that if you're not utilizing it to its fullest, you're going to have a hard time. And if you don't know that you can deflect everything, you're going to have moments where it's going to check you for yes. that. Yes. Um, the one I thought of immediately was the angry boar at the start of the game. Yeah. Because that's your first true beast yeah. character that you can yeah. like the beast enemy. That you, I mean, you got the ogre, I guess, but he's still like kind of human. Um, but then when you get to this boar, it like. I feel like that was a, a pretty big stuck for me <laughs> the first time I played this thing. Yeah. Um, just because it was so different from trying to deflect a sword, you know? Yeah. Like, it wasn't a human-sized thing, and so it was, like, r- rushing at me, and I didn't quite get the hitbox right, or yep. didn't know when that moment to deflect was, and so I had to kind of figure that out, and it it kind of checked me, and, it, and I had to wait until I was able to do it to beat that boar and move on. And that's what this game does. It's, it's constantly like, okay, here's the next skill you need to acquire. Oh, you don't have it? Okay, well, work on it, and then come back to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then once you get past that, you feel like you've kind of like powered up. You've gotten to Super Saiyan two, and now you can take on that next challenge. And so, like, it, it, it's a snowball effect, but it's 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 one that is worth pointing out in the gameplay. And I think it's just intrinsically built into the fact that their combat system is just so stinking precise and clear. Yeah, deflect, attack, and and yeah, you can dodge, but uh, those are really what you want to focus on. Yeah, um, and it becomes very rhythmic because of that. I think, and and it's also it's incredibly incentivized. Like there's few sounds as satisfying as the deflect sound from Sekiro. <laughs> there's very, yes, dude, it's such a satisfying sound when you nail that. You can hear the difference and feel it, but you can hear the difference. Uh, oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, deflecting. You were so right. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like the deflect. Um, just the way sound is used in this game is just yes. like mwah, perfection, like we said already. Um, but yeah, just those little thi- those little pieces of feedback are what makes this whole thing, I think, really take it to the next level. This yes. whole experience because you can have 
the concept, okay, yeah, deflect, it's a rhythm game and an attack, but like, how do you make that feel good? How do you make it feel intuitive? How do you uh, make the player know that like what they are doing is correct and also incorrect and then teach them from there? And it takes a master like from software to achieve this level of just polished combat. And I think this game has no peer when it comes to that. I personally, I think it's so it's it's so focused in that way. It really is like in my in my mind, like there are almost no words to describe uh, just how much of the like the system of combat is just it's just so focused. <laughs> I'm I'm losing my train of thought here and like losing my yeah. my sentence. But um, all that to say, it, it's it's got almost no peer in the game industry when it comes to just the focus of its vision with combat. And because of that, this game is really one that is uncompromising and not for everyone, which is a dock against it. But if it is for you and if you can continue to push through and if you put that time in, right? Like we said, the default setting yep. time. Um, I think you'll see, you'll, you'll see some uh, results from that, some good yeah. results. I know, actually, I talked to my coworkers because I was just telling them, I was like, you know, what have you been doing? What do you, what do, you do in your free time, et cetera? Because um, I'm still the rookie at my workplace, so I'm still the new guy. So, um, And I was telling them that I was playing Sekiro, and they were like, yeah, I threw my controller at the wall and never picked it up after a certain point. <laughs> Two of them said that. And that's just a small group. You know, that's a group of guys. You know, you know we were talking about video games or whatever else. They two people quit. You know, I was just kind of surprised. I was like, I've heard people quitting in this game, but I didn't think anyone actually quit. But no, they straight up were like, Yeah, I put it down and I have not picked it up uh, since since then. Uh, it was not for me. It's like, wow, really is a line in the sand with this game drawn with a katana. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's it's. Um, what do you think about that, Jared? Do you think? Because this is a major question that yeah. was very prevalent when this game came out. Do you think it should have? had an easy mode um in some way like even dark souls like it's hard yeah and like um i'm playing through dark souls 3 right now with a friend and it's so funny because that game just like no matter how good you are at those series it is going to find a way to kill you and but despite that like you've got ways to cheese it you really do and and even in just a simple system like summons you know yeah. Which I think like summons in this game would kind of break it. They would really break boss yes, encounters, I agree. especially. Yeah. So you can't really do that. But that was really in in my mind like that's kind of the basic Dark Souls easy mode is like yeah have a couple people or some NPCs join you and you you'll be able to beat the boss because yeah. they'll distract it and then you can do whatever you need to. Yeah. Um. And Sekiro doesn't even have that. Actually, even at the start, like when this game first launched, it didn't even have the recordings and the messages that are there now. It was a wholly single player experience. And because of that, you know, it's just it's 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 inaccessible to a lot of people. Uh, So what do you think about that, Jared? Do you think there should have been something for those sort of people? I think didn't we uh, we talked about game of the year or something back in whenever it was. uh, We did. Yeah, we did. We mentioned Sekiro. And I think I we talked about how hard should games be. And uh, it's funny now that I'm playing, you know, that I play this game. I thought to myself multiple times while I played this game, I'm just a casual gamer. (laughs) If I finish this game, I don't know if I can call myself a casual gamer anymore. Can I keep victimizing myself like that on the podcast if I finish this game? Like this guy beat Sekiro and he still 
calls himself a weenie, you know, it's like, and that's not a boast. It's just like, do I lose all casual cred if I finish this game? (laughs) I think, yeah, I think casual becomes more symbolic than literal at that point, you know? Yes. Um, It's like, yeah, it's like uh, um, (laughs) Aqua Boy or something. Like, that's just his name, even when he's... 45 yes and a lot of the the, a lot of the difference between you and me calling me the casual and you not is is also your rich history with games as well not just the difference in skill although i can't remember the last time i beat you in mario kart so there is that but but um (laughs) so so there is something there but there was multiple times about playing this game where i thought like man like should I even be playing this? Is this for me? This doesn't feel like it was made for my audience. Like I like Smash Bros and I'm not good at that. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. you know, like who who is this made for? But but oftentimes I'd have that conversation in my head and then a couple tries later I would beat that boss. I would beat that boss that was making me think those thoughts. So I'm like, oh, and then I'd get my next hit of juice and the next area, the the little baddies in the next area are often just a little bit easier, obviously, than the last boss. Mm-hmm. So you enjoy that rush of power and the level up experience and and each leveling up feels so significant so you're like this time for sure i'll be a boss you know this this set of prayer beads for sure i'll be able to take on the baddies or whatever and and almost all of that is answered by just being better at technique right so i feel like this game is more accessible than dark souls because up i'm at the final boss and i've spent about five hours on the final boss without winning so Let's say it took me, it, it's taken me about 55 hours to get to the final boss. Whereas in Dark Souls, it took me over 80, if, if you remember that conversation. So, uh, you know, Dark mm-hmm. Souls is just hard and grindy and difficult. Whereas this game says, no, 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 no. You can get good, but you have to do it this way. You have to do it this way. And I'm mm-hmm. going to tell you that repeatedly, time and time again. And it felt like I had my own sensei. It felt like I had my yeah. own hard knuckles. Yeah, that's a great comparison. Old sensei man. I felt like Ishin, you know, cheering me on as he was from his relaxed chase lounge in his room, right on to Tommy Matt. Um, like that, I felt like he was my mentor. I felt like the sculptor was my mentor, and they were saying, "No, this is how you become a shinobi." And I, I just felt like the whole game was mentoring me in very specific ways. And I learned the the Ashina swords play, and I learned how to beat the great shinobi and i learned how to beat uh, uh, deities and all this different stuff and it was it was like a bare-chested sensei was beating sense into me repeatedly like karate kid <laughs> it felt awesome in that sense so i was like i just need to get better i just need to discipline yeah. myself that's what separates someone who's casual from someone who is like this is in their life but it's that discipline and i just was like i just need to be like josh like that's what i told myself a couple times it's no, like i just need know. to just do it just do it work harder so that's kind of how I i'm just gonna stop you before you go down that path you don't want to be like me um, <laughs> but you're totally totally right this is a very satisfying i think you put that in like no like you can be more clear with your words. Uh, it's just a satisfying system, and it's rewarding, but it's punishing, and it's it's going to take you putting in some effort and just having to unfortunately get good, as yeah. people hate to hear. Yeah. And if you if you have a hard time with that, then then I 
I, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, because this is really an awesome game. Yeah. It really is, if you can push through uh, those challenging moments. And they can be very challenging. Yeah. Uh, a little bit about my history with this, Jared. I got this when it launched in 2019, and I played through... I was so determined to play this game and to beat it. Um, at that point, I hadn't beaten a From Software game. And I... I fought my way tooth and nail. I spent so much time just trying to get through to um, uh, Giobo. And, and once I finally got to that point, because um, you got to fight those, you got to fight the ogre, you got to go through the great serpent, you got to, like, that's that moment you had where you had to, like, really get past that stuck moment as the ogre and everything. So, like, that first stretch there is a nightmare for newcomers. Yes. But it is. It is the nightmare you must partake in <laughs> in order to make it to the heavenly goodness on the other side. Yeah. And so I just remember like just that whole time being stressed, uh, not feeling like I was getting it, like I was having anything click. And then finally with Giobo, I felt like things kind of clicked a little bit more. Um, and then, of course, I had a really hard time with the boar after that. And then I faced my greatest foe for that first playthrough, and that is the Spear General, who is waiting at the, um, I think it's a temple, off to the left from uh, the castle, Ashina Castle. Um, it's where you go at the very start of the game yeah, the to talk to... Tower, I think. Yeah, I can't remember yeah. what. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a spear general there later when you come back um, when you're trying to infiltrate the castle, and he, I died to him probably like fifty or sixty times. I probably spent like five hours on him alone, and I dropped the game. I was like, I can't, I can't do it. So I'm right there with your friends, and I'm right there with anyone who faces that difficulty. I had that moment where I was like, I'm just not grasping it. There's something about it that's off. The timing is off. I'm a little too stressed. Um, my, I'm a little too trigger happy. That was like one of my hardest habits to break. Yeah. Um, actually yeah. even, even this time when I played through it, even the second time I, that's like the hardest thing for me is like the trigger happy. It just like, it beats me every time. I yeah. Feel like. Being too aggressive. Um, yeah. So it just wasn't clicking for me and I dropped it. And then later down the line, of course, uh, this summer was the first time I played through it and beat it. And, um, it took, it, it took some effort. I think I was a little bit better at video gaming, so I, that helped for sure. But, um, man, was it worth it, I think. it Was it worth it to actually uh, push past that Spear General? And when I got back to him, and I mentioned this in a podcast before, but like when I finally got back to the Spear General, I punished him. Like, I made him kiss my butt cheeks like multiple times like he did not stand a chance against me i don't know is that a weird thing to say i was trying not to be too explicit but i think the revenge uh, i still wanted to... from your voice gets the point across <laughs> okay okay yeah okay good good um so that's just that's a part of the process and if that really doesn't sound great to you then then i don't know if i can recommend this game to you right Right. I, I don't know if I can, but like for me, I think this is one of the most rewarding experiences to be had in the realm of video games, um, and so it's worth pushing through that. But you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take some time and, and put in some effort, and you will, you will be stressed, and you yeah. will have those moments of like wanting to throw your controller, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, Guardian the, Ape. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say part of the allure of this game too is. The mini-bosses can largely be avoided other than a couple few, 
right? Like the mini yeah. bosses with a couple uh, hit boxes or whatever else, those guys can be avoided. Um, like the ogre, you can't avoid skill check, right? But the general before mm -hmm. him, you can't avoid. And he's he's actually like the first mini boss, and you can avoid the general after the red ogre. He, you can just avoid yeah. him and go right down to headless if you want, or or you know right to the snake, you know whatever. Um, so th definitely some options there for sure. But but the seven spears general, I can't remember his name. Um, he he's off to the right there, so he's just gonna itch the back of your mind like you still can't beat me until you go and wreck him later. And that's a, that's, and that's what exactly I did. what happened. Yeah. yeah, I came back later in the game after several prayer beads and several attack power raises more, and beat him eventually. Um, that's what I so that's what I was hoping to do later, Jared. But that moment in the game was like just so oppressive for yeah. me. Yeah, like because you got. Right up the stairs, so there's that one idol. I'm going to be very specific here, so I apologize if you haven't played this game, but I'm going to be um, talking details. <laughs> but uh, you go right up the stairs, and there's like all those archers, and then the general. So you can fight that mini boss, or you can wander away over to the temple and try to fight that mini boss, uh, the spear guy who I was trying to take out. Or you can go, there's like a little ledge, and you can drop down to where I think you start the game, actually. Like where you, uh, Wolf first wakes up. It's like this little well area. And there's a little ninja mini-boss guy down there, too. Yeah. Um, and all three of them were kicking my butt. So it wasn't just the spear dude, but like the spear dude is the one that was like really infuriating me. Yeah. But all of them were kicking my butt, and the only other way to go... Well, actually, I could have gone Abandoned Dungeon and Senpo Temple, but for some reason... I, I just didn't find those paths, or maybe I didn't look closely enough. But the only other path is up the on the on the rooftops. Yeah, and we all know how fun that is. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> and it's very stressful uh, with all those flying crazy kamikaze enemies up there. So um, I just like was dying over and over, and it was just a very oppressive, stressful area of the game. That's when I dropped it. And uh, that's actually one of the things I was going to say as a gripe for this game, and one thing I think could have been probably handled with a little bit more care, is the start of this game is so brutal compared to the second part of this game. And part of that, I think, is just because of you getting good. But a huge part of that, I think, is because of the fact that you're just so handicapped at the start. You have very little health. Yeah. Your posture breaks very easily. Oh, yeah. And you you start off actually legitimately weak and not on par with the things around you, um, which which kind of sucks. And, like, that that ogre's health bar and posture meter is going to be so much harder for you to break with your minuscule amount of attack power um, at the start of the game as it would be later. And, and it doesn't, it just doesn't see, feel fair to me. And it feels like there's, there was like too much of a barrier to entry just purely on the amount of just like health that was being swiped away from me with every hit at the start of the game. Yeah. And so I think if they adjusted that just a little bit, it would have been a little bit more inviting to people. And you could have pushed through some of those mini boss fights that were really grinding your gears. Yeah. Um, so that's, that was one of my gripes, but just throwing that in there as well. No, I, I think you, you have a good point. That was one of the things that made this game so hard was that like it's not about getting you know overpowered by a boss it's about getting hit by a boss and by that i mean like one hit takes off so much health that you're using a gourd you know you know a health yeah. replenish for every single time you get one one hit and if you yep. get hit by a flurry <laughs> you're dead you know what i mean so like 
that that whole that was what and that's was the, the most, dance you play yes yes that's the dance especially at the that's what i'm saying like at the beginning that dance is far far deadlier than earlier but that yeah. is like because you deflect or you attack and so if you and and you can block but block is going to hurt your posture um so that that might end up turning against you but like you're you're every time you take that bet of deflect it could go very terribly yes. for you yes because if you don't tie it right things are going to go poorly and that is just so much worse yeah at the start of the game and i wish it wasn't that way yeah but, yeah, no, um, you, that is you, kind of the contract. <laughs> you must aim for perfection. You cannot run. Sometimes you can't run, and I think that's what this game does at times. It's like sometimes you cannot run. It's like the fog gate. You must face your fears. You must go through this door. You must challenge this person, and you must be perfect. You, Which is hilarious, Jared, because yeah. this is the game where you can endless sprint. <laughs> Right. Like this right. is the from software game where you can jump, you can grapple. Oh my goodness. Yes. That grapple is so satisfying. Yeah. You can pause this freaking game. Yep. Like Dark Souls doesn't give you that luxury. Yeah. And yet, regardless, it gives you all these tools at the end of the day. You've got that fog gate. Yeah. <laughs> you've got that moment that you have to overcome yeah. and, and get good at. I think um you know, it, just interesting to me that the, the pause is in there, but also the, the endless stamina allowing you to run around, you know. Um, and jump. And jump, yeah. And, and you can hide. leap yes. in this game. Big jump. Yeah. You can. It's a significant part of your combat, actually, is that agility. It is. And I, I find that interesting. It's like the, you know, the from software people were like, look, 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 look. We want you to play this game a specific way, but we're not unreasonable. We're going to give you every opportunity in battle to learn how to play the way we want you to play. Um, I love that. Like this game, like Dark Souls, there's just very little wiggle room for learning. You have to cheese and Mm. get lucky and, and hopefully get a couple hits in and keep dodge rolling and cheese and cheese and cheese. Whereas this game, it's like, no, 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 you, no time limit, no stamina limit. Run around until you think you've got it figured out. It, it's, it felt a lot like that dojo that I was talking about, that sensei moment that like, oh, I'm, I'm ready for you. And I'm going to keep attacking you until you figure out some kind of uh, you know, way to do this. But you cannot run from your problems. And I just thought that was so interesting. You, you have to confront it eventually. Um, just a different tone from a Dark Souls. You, you, it's a much more polished tone, and I, I really, really enjoyed that. I felt like it was. I felt like the game was immensely fair. I really did. Like I felt like every time I got hit, I was like, "Yep, that was on me." I, I did. Yeah. I did miss that one. Um, except for you know, I, I did complain about the controller earlier, and I legit do think sometimes my block button did not want to work. <laughs> like I do feel like my deflect button is like getting stuck sometimes. I did feel that way, but. But for the most part, 98% of the time, I thought this game is immensely fair. Uh, that was just my impression overall the whole time I was playing. And I think that fairness really like aids the, um, the satisfaction that comes yes. with the combat. Like the fact that you can see, okay, that's that was on me. I failed. I did this wrong. Like I did X wrong. Okay, now I know I need to work on X. 
and it's it's just like it reveals your flaws and as you overcome them as you as you get better as you improve on each boss on each new challenge you you just get to the point where you're just so satisfied because you're you're systematically dismantling things by the end of the game like you are like and and it still keeps up the pace like it's it's still trying to throw some heavy duty you know issues at you like especially that last stretch um the uh capital what are their names the second invasion yeah um a lot of the yeah yeah a lot of that fire stuff and the dudes with the dual swords still gave me grief and at that point i felt like i was a beast yeah um right so like it's still gonna push back but it's still satisfying Uh, it's just so every moment of, of improvement um Every time that you can grasp that, once you once you see those failures that you have, because it is fair, um, it just is very satisfying to boot. On the flip side of that, Jared, to wrap up gameplay here, what do you think of the stealth? I love this. The is the, this yeah. is another new kind of thing yeah. for From Software here. So yeah, what do you think? I thought they did stealth as well as can be expected from a game that purports stealth. I loved it. I loved the, the addition of stealth because. What's gonna so let's let's just say, right, like Harada Estate is your first real chance at grasping stealth, right? And what is yeah, yeah. what is the enemy going to do? What they're going to do is like, you know, stand in position, stand watch, stand guard. It's a bunch of bandits, but they're not stupid. If you stab someone in the back, they're all gonna hear your sword go through that spot yeah. person's spinal column. It's not like some <laughs> like if you run out of the area, that's different. Like if you run away from the area, they all reset and actually their death blows go back to normal so that you can't you can't just cheese right. the death blow. You know what I'm saying? Like some games you can. So if you run out of the area, that's fine. And as long as you don't rest and reset the area, you you do get that one kill. But but there, there's a, there's the levels of on guard and watchfulness and looking for you and stuff. I felt again that the stealth was the most fair use of stealth in a video game I had ever played. I've played like stealth, okay, wow. you know what I mean? Like stealth games before, like Snake and Metal Gear Solid, hiding in a box. Like okay, whatever. You know what I mean? Like there, <laughs> there's things like that that are kind of funny, memeable, whatever else. But Sekiro. When you move like a ninja, the game rewards you. And when you make decisions on who to attack first and where to strategically implement yourself into this battle and, and how to make use of the landscape and the different stealth areas, I felt like it was incredible. It was a wild ride. And like a, a lot of that um, ledge hang death blows and corner death blows and drawing yeah. an enemy out to you. Like I was like, man, I'm a legit ninja. <laughs> like yeah, how yeah, cool yeah. is that? I thought the stealth was so well done, surprisingly well done. Yeah, the moment that um, immediately breaks out or like comes in my mind when I'm thinking of um, just like really feeling like a full fledged shinobi came pretty early for me. Um, it's actually right at Ashina Castle when you have all those archers and the general on the staircase. Yeah, and you have to like pick off those archers. Yes, and so I was like using the two. There's two sets of rooftops next to the yep. that area, and so like you're jumping down, you're death blowing one of them. They all take aim, and you just like jump out of there, um, grapple out. You know, try to get back to the rooftop before they hit you. Maybe one of them hits you, and you get a huge chunk of health taken out. But then you like zip away, like you. Sprint out of there, and then you dip down and you disappear from sight. And yeah. then you have to like go and attack again and systematically take them out. And it almost like wants you to do that because uh, there's no way you're gonna be able to survive all those archers at the same time. Um, are they they're gunmen? They don't have they have guns, not bows and arrows. But um, yeah, that that feeling of of being a ninja and it never it never feels like 
um, fully unfair or like fully cheesing. Like I feel like it always feels like, okay, yeah, this is a legitimate thing. I'm not going to ruin the game by doing this. Uh, it definitely makes things easier, especially on mini bosses. Uh, but it never was at the point where it broke anything. It never broke the game. Mm. And the stealth for that reason is, is a ton of fun. I, I respect that you can't just full stealth any boss, you know? So even if you manage a surprise strike on a mini boss, you're not going to be able to do that the second time. Even if you do it again, it's not going to take out any health. Yeah. So, um, I respect, you know, I respect stuff like that. And because of that, I think the stealth is very well-rounded. And just the balance too. Like when you pay for the stealth upgrade in the skills menu, you don't become a god. You just become a little better. Right. <laughs> like there's a tremendous amount of balance to how they allow you to level up in this game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the stealth is no exception to that. Um, so yeah, the, I felt like the leveling up system gave me more options. It didn't make me unstoppable. And I liked that. One thing that I will say about this game is that if you are good at the fundamentals, you'll be okay. If you yes. are a gimmick player and you rely on your shinobi prosthetics, you're going to stumble a little bit because you're going to come up against people that force you to be good at the fundamentals. Because mm-hmm. And the, the, the way you use your shinobi prosthetic, you have to have a certain number. It's essentially the fuel for it. You have to have spirit emblems. And you get that slowly. You accrue those in the game by taking out enemies, and etc. But you do have a finite number of those. I was telling Josh multiple times that I would run out of spirit emblems and then obviously run out of uses for my prosthetic tool in mid-battle, which forced me to rely on the fundamentals. And I really appreciated that because I felt like there were bosses that I took out without using a single shinobi prosthetic the entire battle. The true Corrupted Monk was one of those. I didn't use a, sh- a single uh, shinobi prosthetic to beat that boss. And that's how I knew. I was like, my fundamentals are good enough to be my baseline for going forward. And and you know that's why New Game Plus actually excites me instead of in dark souls new game plus sounds like a drag honestly so you know things like that i don't know you're not giving it enough credit i think you with dark souls like the benefit is is hindsight you know like now you know every area you know all the enemies um with sekiro it is just more honing of that precision and the the fun part especially of new game plus is i think going back and like facing these bosses now that you've kind of got you, you've got their you know you've got their card almost like yeah. you know how to beat them you've done it before so like you're going back in for a retry but uh you almost feel a little bit more confident um and i certainly appreciate that as well um did you have any other thoughts for gameplay jared or did you, could we move on to no i, I was uh, just gonna the say the, the it, within the the gameplay the leveling up like i was saying like the shadow rush, the ability to unlock specific like ninjutsu, the puppeteer technique, which actually is mm-hmm. is useful for a couple of like <clears throat> weird quest li- side quest lines that you need. Um, uh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, the blood mm-hmm. technique, the ninjutsu blood technique was really cool. Um, the you can even use like uh, I almost said fisticuffs, which is very English Yorkshire Yorkshire term. Um, you can actually use like the angry fists of Buddha in, in some of your technique. That's a really satisfying move set because it's like a nice solid thuds against your enemies. That one's fun. Um, so a whole bunch of ways to be flashy and cool about being a ninja. And I, re- I really did enjoy the leveling up system. And then two, the ability to instead of using skill points to unlock abilities, which of only which you'll use a handful, you, you can transfer that to attack power, which I think actually made the difference for me late game was getting that dragon mask 
which I did have to wiki. But that will when we talk about wiki. Wait, you can use is the so you can use the dragon mask to use skill points to improve attack power. Yes, yeah, you can use the dragon mask. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, I, I found, so the first... Is that that one that's split into parts? Yes, yeah. You find oh, okay. the dragon mask, the first uh, time you approach it is the memorial mob uh, salesman in the abandoned dungeon entrance in Ashina Castle. You look through his inventory and he's got like part of a dragon mask. You're like, what the heck is this? Yeah. If you collect... Yeah, the first one I found was the fish merchant in uh, Hirata Estate. There you go, he's yeah. Gone too. yeah. Oh, that's right, that's right. He's first, I forgot about that. Um... And then the last one is uh, Pot Noble Harunga in the Divine Realm, I think. He has the other piece of it. So if you get all of those, you can transfer skill points into attack power. So, yeah, you can actually. That's, that Dang, was pretty boy. cool. Yeah, so that helps. I wish I had done that now. That sounds yeah. so awesome. But, but again, anytime you level up, you don't become God. You just get a little better. And I loved that mm-hmm. progression. It wasn't, like, super significant, but it was more significant than spending souls and dark souls. Like, the maddening thing about Dark Souls is that you never felt good enough because your souls just never went quite far enough, right? Like, hmm. spending those souls. And then it was an arbitrary amount of numbers. Like, it, you need 17,651 souls to level up. It's like, really? Like, it's such a w- stupid number. Whereas this game was <laughs> much more simplified and streamlined like we were talking about. And, again, yeah. the leveling up abilities and changing, you know, your own unique combat style and, and whatever else... I will say this before we move on to story. I didn't feel like all of the prosthetic tools were created equal. I still don't know how to properly For use sure. Mist Raven Feathers and the Divine Abduction. Like, I just didn't get the point. The shield makes a lot of sense. The, um, the abduction the, works good on the monks, right? I guess. I don't know. I, I, it, I don't know if you ever tried it on them, but it'll for sure make them disappear. It's like the, the portal feather one, right? Okay, well, there um, you go. So I, I guess I should have wiki that a that's the bit, only but. area of the game though that it works i think that's the problem with the prosthetics is yeah. that they they work in specific situations but not overall yeah um yeah. so you're you're which makes you switch them out and try out different ones and different techniques depending on the boss so like it helps you experiment which is fun but like there's no universality to any of them yes. except for maybe the shuriken yeah. like otherwise like all of them are very hyper focused and specific. Like the the poison works pretty well generally, I guess. That one's another one, um, but it's really only truly effective against those uh, sniper ladies. Yeah, the gun um, fort. Yeah, yeah. So otherwise, yeah, that's one that you can kind of like mix and match with other ones yeah. without it really giving you any true benefit. And that's the pr- I think that's kind of the problem with all of those prosthetics. Yeah, that would be that would be my gripe for sure. Is that some of them are useful for all situations. And some of them are useful very specifically. And the game isn't super clear on when it's very useful. So, like, once you get upgraded to a specific... It's definitely not, yeah. Yeah, like the divine abduction thing, like, only useful for the monks. The mist feathers, don't even understand where... I saw someone use it in a Ganitro fight on YouTube. I thought it looked cool, but I was like, it seems like a lot of... That's the one, if I'm not mistaken, that's the one where they hit you, right? Yeah, you have to let them hit you. Yeah. Yeah, so like it's like a counter, but it, it teleports you. Yeah, it's a little funky. And then, um, but the shuriken, the firecracker, the axe. No, sorry, pardon me. Just just really the firecracker, the um, shuriken, and the umbrella were really the only three that I ended up using consistently. Everything else was kind of like very situation specific, which, you know, again, wasn't a huge fan of. So, yeah, it was what it was. Yep, that's 
That's for sure a drawback, but also just a reality when, I don't know, just taking into account the fact that this game is really focused on um, the deflect and attack part of it. It's just very pure in that way, so all the extra stuff that you have is there to aid that. Yeah. Not to be its own system. Yeah, but but in a a game where you're struggling so hard to survive and make it to the next area, you really don't have as much (laughs) space to experiment as I think maybe you should. Like, I... That was probably my biggest my biggest gripe of the game is that spirit emblems seem harder and harder to come by the later in the game than it is. Like I really just wish it were that like every time you landed a death blow you got one. You know what I mean? But it's just not the case every sure. time. So the, by the time the end of the game came around, I was like down to like you know forty spirit emblems, and if you're using all of them every time you fight a boss, they're not going to last you long. So it is what it is. So Jared. The story. <clears throat> Sorry, I, I was trying to transition, Jared, to the story. Let's talk about that. Let's do it. Um, and excuse me because I am having some issues um, with some throat clarity, so I uh, might be coughing my lungs out again. It's already causing issues, but uh, nonetheless, please stick with us. Um, what did you think of it, Jared? You know, I, I, I want to say the the groundedness of the story as opposed to dark souls is just a little bit more flighty it's a little bit more mystic it's got a little bit more of like a i don't know you think of like a religious pantheon like yeah. greek myth or something like that vibe to it yeah as opposed to this game which which definitely has uh mythic elements for sure i mean you can't you cannot deny that at all but it's got uh, human enemies, for the most part, like you're mostly fighting other people. Uh, you're a regular person. All the conflict happens in relatable relationship situations, and not so much on this grandiose scale. Now, of course, there is still grandiose things that happen, but um, a lot of the character moments do happen in in, in a little bit more like minor conversations uh, that you're happening as opposed to um, on this massive. Like you're not achieving the Lord Vessel to continue the Age of Fire. Yeah. For another twelve hundred centuries, like it's not like you are, you know, curing the divine air or whatever. So like, there is some grand plan here, but at the same time, you're just a humble shinobi who has been given the the ability to die and come back, and you are simply trying to achieve your tasks for your master. And so, what did you think of that story of that presentation um, in comparison with Dark Souls, but also on its own? Uh, did you enjoy it? I just think that your world <clears throat> is often much more localized than the grand scheme of things. And I felt like while Dark Souls was the um, quest for fire and life itself, I felt like Sekiro is what happens when a man is doing his best to hold his own corner of the world together. In a much more yeah. limited sense. And I really love that contrast. There's a lot of parent-child dynamics in this story. The owl and Sekiro. Um, Ishin and his grandson. Kuro and a lack of a father figure looking to you as kind of like an older brother, father figure-esque type of a situation. Emma and her motherly role, both in caring for Ishin and Kuro. Um, the sculptor and his weird past and his partnerships. Much more about the relationships 
in the background and the motivators and the, the, the addition of eavesdropping to this game really highlights and accentuates the story yes. like a great flavor profile, like, you know, just a hint of ginger in a, in a sesame chicken dish will do. The, you know, that, that great, <laughs> I work at a Chinese restaurant, so that's why I say that. But like um, the, the addition of those layers uh, in this kind of a small locale, you really can traverse the whole world quite easily. You, you do unlock every area naturally, and a lot of them are accessible immediately. And the stages that, that life goes through in the relationships and who's in charge now and who's in power later in this uh, Sengoku area of ancient feudal Japan really being highlighted behind the mysticism. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed the cohesiveness of the world and the story as opposed to the very vague, <clears throat> lofty ideals of, of Dark Souls, which I told Josh in that episode I enjoyed less because it was too vague for me. Um, but yeah. this this cohesive package of a story told so beautifully through, you know, one-liners often being before fights or after fights or during, like, Ashna, this land is everything to me. Or I will, I will shy away from no type of heresy to achieve what I want to. Or I butchered that quote by Ganitro, but it's a powerful line. Or, you know, just the fact that you're trying to, you know, all of this hesitation is defeat. What? Like, these are beautifully told stories and characters designed in this game. And it's it's next level storytelling. It really is. And it's, I, I appreciate it's, just embrace of the fantastical yes. as well throughout yes and just incorporating that into its world is so much fun and you really don't recognize it to its fullest extent until that great serpent pops up which yeah. is such a fun moment early on in the game and you have a couple other moments like that um but even even still despite those um lofty moments of just like awe where you just are caught just kind of like wow like this is awesome uh, moments of woe you might say um most of the game still is pretty grounded, and that's thanks yes. to the story. And um, yeah, sure, the extending world does have some of those more fantastical elements, but it does keep it pretty focused. Out of all of those people, which I do think this cast of characters is pretty focused as well, which I think also helps with the storytelling. Who is your favorite, Jared? Who is your favorite uh, NPC? So uh, you can't pick Wolf um, for this. NPC. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Um Hanbei the Undying, I really liked, but he's great. Yeah, he is great. And did he, you finish out his quest line? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I, I was like, I didn't even look that up. I like as soon as I realized that I had the ability to kill immortals, I went straight to him. Oh, really? Okay. Because he asks you. Yeah, he, he asks you at the start of the game. He like says like, "Hey, if you find a way to end my life, like please do." And so I pretty much like as soon as, as, soon as I got that thing, I was like, I wonder. And I went straight to him, and he was like, oh, hey, yo, can you kill me with that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's essentially how so, that goes. He's like, hey, you have the ability to kill immortal beings, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. wink, wink. <laughs> um, no, I totally am He's a great pick. He is, he's a great pick. He, he's my. He's one of my favorites. I felt like a lot of the vendors, like Enoyama and the merchant in Ashina, you kind of have to go out of your way to find him, uh, as well as the peddler who sells, sells you the um, umbrella, uh, the small hat guy, whatever. A lot of these people yeah. just don't, they have very small, small quest lines. And I really just, I, I have the same complaint that I did with Dark Souls. It's like, I just need more richness for these quest lines. Like, okay. Sigmir, I uh, see that. Sigmire Catalina, right? Like, he's great. I just need more. I just need more of him. I need to see him in more places. I need to, like, understand him more in depth. 
with Enayama, it's like, he's there and then he dies. By the time I go back to him, like, because I really didn't go back to him uh, after I first encountered him until the whole place was in flames and then he's gone. So I, I you know, his quest line is there, but it's not very rich. And that's always, that's, you know, again, the same complaint that I had with uh, Dark Souls. It's like, I just need more richness in my side characters. And I know that's a lot of work to put all that effort into something other than the main quest line, but when you're talking to a guy who, and I mean me, who spent hours and hours and hours in Skyrim, invested in these really rich sidelines, like side quests, that, mm. you, uh, that's my expectation, right? Is that level of depth. And you're just not going to get that. So, you know, that's something to consider. But yeah, Henbei the Undying, I felt like the most gratifying and simple as well. I just enjoyed him. So how about you? Yeah, you're right. I really didn't think about the fact that a lot of these NPCs are pretty shallow. Um, they all have their place. They all have their small moments. Um, I'd say my favorite NPC has to go to the sculptor. Like, yeah, I just he, and he is like to be honest, he's probably the one that has the most in depth. Maybe him and Ishin Ashina yeah. are like the two NPCs um, that like really have some cool background to them, who you can get a lot of lore out of, who you can um, hear a lot of situations from, and the sculptor kind of like reflects you in some interesting ways. Yes. Um, so like he he stood out to me for sure, and of course has a really great payoff as well to his storyline, but. Um, outside of that, yeah, you're right. I, I was just thinking in Dark Souls three, a lot of the NPC storylines are are the best. I think that From Software sure. has done. They're yeah. a ton of fun. Um, Jared, I wish that you had been able to, or maybe you will in the future. But as of this point, you haven't been able to experience the Siegward of Katarina storyline that happens in yeah. Dark Souls three. Which reflects Sig Meyers from the first one, but it's a lot more in depth. It has a really like uh, a bittersweet end to it. It's really cool, and it's actually like a crucial moment. Like it actually does a lot to improve the, I think, the playthrough yes. of the game. And there's there's several other um, characters in Dark Souls Three that are like that, and, and Sekiro doesn't have as much of that nonetheless despite maybe their shallowness in uh, lore side of things jared i have to say the character design in this game is to die for yes yes i love it so much um starting even just with wolf like he's a dope character he's got like streaks of gray in his hair he's got like that distinct orange color um, to his garb, yep. and it's got the prosthetic arm. He's just like a really cool, distinct, singular character. I just, I just, I can't get enough of just like a lot of the designs of um, the people in this world. My favorite designed character, and I can ask you that too, um, is the 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 single armed long sword ninjas that like throw a lot of kicks in there. Like the guy you fight, yeah, like yeah, the yeah, three story yeah. pagoda, as well as the boss down in the well when you revisit that area. Like mm -hmm. those are my favorite design characters, and let me—I'm I want to say a couple things here, but that guy down in the well was my least favorite fight because the camera kept getting wonky. Like he'd kick me into yeah. a wall, and then my camera would just lose track of him. And then you know, you when you can't deflect accurately, you're just guard. I hated that fight so freaking much. I hated that fight. Um, that was my least favorite fight, just because that little arena trying to combat in that tiny arena is a mm -hmm. garbage. I hate it. Just because the camera, like if you allow the camera to back into the wall and look at him, that's then it's fine fight. I can do it all day long. But as soon as my camera goes wonky, I just, oh, I hated it. Anyway. Um, yeah, that is a bummer. But also, 
I was going to say, like, these NPCs that you're talking about, Ish, oh, I'll say the two that really carry it the best are Genichiro and the Sculptor. They carry this beat-down, okay. haggard, regret-filled vibe. This aura of, like, just grittiness and 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 i love genichiro's like desperation yes yes he just comes off so desperate and the whole tone of the game you fight these headless people that are in these locations where their bodies right and they're they're these they're these uh terrorized extraterrestrial whatever otherworldly beings that are like half demon half warrior with an honor code whatever and their stories and their ability that you unlock by uh um ripping them from their story their headless selves right like their background is great and it just fills the whole the whole countryside with regret and additionally too the game starts at twilight and ends at night and that's a beautiful segue as well is like you're you're going into these different areas at these different times right ashina castle when you get to that area is dark covered in darkness, right? Whereas the start of the game, the Ashina outskirts, it's twilight. The sun hasn't yet set on the land of Ashina. And I, I just, the whole storytelling, the vibe and the aura is so complemented by each of the NPCs and the way they see the world and how beat down and haggard they feel by having to have their land like clawed out of this section of Japan, right? And and then addition to, like just one more note on the world and the story, um, is I have not played a game where you can fall off the edge and I was scared of it since Spider-Man, the original PC game. Way back in like the early 2000s, late 90s, like whenever that game came out. You would you know, uh, sling web across, but you couldn't actually touch the ground because the, the, you know, it was just that the, you would you know, web sling through the sky off of nothing and the ground was dead zone, right? So you could jump on top. I love how specific that is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I have not felt the fear of falling since that game up until this game. The way the sunken valley is sits oh, yes, so dude. far below the highest heights of Ashina and the, the views that you get from the Ashina Tower lookout, castle lookout, the all, beautiful, just the way the landscape is designed, this ultra-mountainous, deep-valleyed, oh, I loved it. I love the whole tone of the game is so consistent and cohesive together. It's fantastic. I think uh, going along those lines, actually, that's a perfect uh, segue to uh, world design because I think the Sunken Valley is, I think, my favorite area yeah. in the game. Yeah, I love this. It was so cool. Like, I, I love just how, yeah, like those drops that happen and you're like, am I supposed to be falling? And then you have to like catch yourself at the last minute or plunge to your doom. Yeah, yeah. and you're like terrified of that occurring as well. The snipers, um, the great serpent. Oh my goodness. Yeah, everything about that whole. And then that le- leads all the way down to the bottom where you fight uh, the guardian ape who is uh, infamous in my mind at the very least. So yeah, just <clears throat> so fun. Yeah. Um, the yeah the design of the sunken river valley is is amazing. That would say, that would be my favorite. Is there a favorite area that you have? Yeah, Sengoku Temple, just because like it's literally built into okay. the side of a mountain, and so you fight battles. That is yeah, I yeah, do like that. As you traverse, you know, you use a combination of stealth and overpower, and like the fact that they're using fists and you're using a sword, and the the different dynamic there, like yeah, the the Sengoku mm-hmm. Temple and that whole mountainside of trying to do that was in, in, in one of my favorite early areas. Just because I got to it too early, that's one gripe. I just want to jump back real quick. That's one gripe is that some areas I've unlocked too soon, 
And I don't like that. Like, yeah. I, I really feel like you shouldn't be going to Sengoku Temple until you have the Mortal Blade. Um, and like that's you mean you mean Senpo Temple, right? Whatever. Well, yeah, Sen, Senpo Temple. Sorry. Um, yeah, the the Buddha. Just clarifying. I was like, I didn't know if we were talking about the same place. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Just... The the, the Buddha okay. dudes who are corrupted by the bugs. Like yeah. That, that. Yeah. Yep. 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 That okay. whole and uh, since we're talking about world building and a little bit like the, uh, the variety in the different areas is fantastic. I love that. The di- you're talking about yes. the, the contrast between the Sunken Valley acrobatic gunners and the hard-fisted, uh, robe-wearing monks of the temple. Like, great. The total... I love all of that stuff. Love all of that stuff. Yeah, and it's 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 helped by the fact that it's really one of the best-looking games that you can have yeah. from last generation. Like, there's no gripes there. Right? And just, like, aesthetic and graphic fidelity um it's like a night and day from dark souls because of how old that game is at this point but it is just so hyper detailed it's breathtaking um the divine realm especially was so cool i loved the interpretation of that um and then it's spooky like you go into the dungeon you go into the depths like you've got you've got a lot of variety there in uh aesthetic but it's all like just fantastically designed um I did want to say, talking about design, I, I didn't get to mention... Actually, I don't know if you actually mentioned, Jared. What was... I don't know if you said your character design that you said was your favorite. Um, you mentioned... Genichiro, didn't you? No. I don't remember what you said. Wait, what do you mean? But I think... Character design. Like, just cool-looking... Yeah. Aesthetically. I mean, all of I can't the, remember if you said who you, who yeah. you liked. No, all of the bosses, I think... It, I didn't mention anyone specifically. All of the bosses are unique and beautifully designed in their own way. I mean, you have Owl with his huge flowing locks of hair. Um, He's my favorite. Yeah, That's what I wanted to say. Yeah. He's got an awesome character yeah, design. Yeah. That giant thing of hair is so awesome. Yeah, he's great. It, all of the bosses really are designed exceptionally well um, in, in my mind. Um, you know what I could have used? Uh, and I love. I feel like we should maybe coalesce our gripes a little bit here because there's a couple things that I, I've been forgetting to mention. But like, I, I didn't like that I couldn't tell exactly where Kuro and the false divine child were different. Does that make sense? Because there is an ending where Kuro becomes one with the false. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know if she's false. Is she false or is she just like... I don't know. Like she, I get, I don't know. She's the only one to survive. I know what you mean, but what are you, what are you trying to get? I'm, I'm, missing the point i'm trying to get at the fact that like she is good but all of her lineage of the corrupt i guess the corrupted monks in her area are all Uh bad and two like it wasn't clear to me where the owl stood because he's he's the one in charge of the one-armed ninjas i think right he um is working with the um and ninjas that attack Hirata Estate. Yes. 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 But which are from I can't remember what land they're from, but I don't think you visit it in the game. No, you don't. But the um, the bandits attack Harada Estate, but it's not clear that he's the one who led them in until like you have to hear a very specific eavesdropping conversation or something like that. But then he also shows up when the ninjas invade Ashna, but then they disappear yes. 
when the ministry shows up. So it wasn't clear to me where everyone's allegiances lie. So while I love the depth yes. of the story, I didn't like that sometimes who was working with who was really obfuscated. So like that I see what you mean. Yeah, that's one gripe. Like I just didn't know if the owl and Ganitro were on the same side. I didn't I just never knew. I was like, I don't know. I just know that the game wants me to fight you, so I guess I'll try to beat some sense into you. I don't know. So there there was a couple of gripes with miscommunication as far as like I felt like I had missed something or the game didn't do a good enough job of allowing me to figure it out or whatever. But yeah. In that respect, the the story does show its limits because it has a lot of characters and a lot of motivations for each one. Um, and they all have their own specific wants and goals and stuff. But because of that, because there's just like a little bit too many, I think, it's not super in-depth for any of them. Yeah. And I think that kind of afflicts... And then, yeah, it's a little too vague, but that certainly afflicts um, Wolf's character and Genichiro specifically. Um, and really everyone throughout the game because it... Each of them have really great moments, and the overall overarching story, I think, of trying to cure the divine air trait or whatever is a ton of fun. The actual arcs themselves are pretty straightforward and standard. Yeah. And I can see why maybe, like, you kind of get confused in some elements. Yeah, talking about endings, and that can be a good way to wrap up this, what was your, what was your probably preferred ending, I guess? Because, um, admittedly, you didn't finish it, but you did go back and kind of look at those ones. Which one did you say? Uh, would be the the most satisfying for you or the one that you think is the best one? The one, well, I'm, I'm going to just kind of cheat a little bit. I, the most satisfying ending for me is going to be the one that I achieve when I finally beat Genshin and go over to Kuro, Alrighty then. Who's, who's lying on the ground, right? And my ending is going to have to be the one where I sever the ties of immortality and kill him. And I, okay. and I end up being the sculptor myself. Like, that's going to have to be my ending because I, I haven't done the other prerequisites for the other endings. There's one, um, the one where he merges with the other divine heir. That that's that's where that confusion comes in. It's like I don't know, like they never had any contact before that. So I don't know. It was just weird. Like you get the frozen tears. It is weird. A couple things and like so like it just could have been fleshed out better. I feel like the the normal ending of the cycle of rebirth and the shinobi and you're you're learning through your regrets and you get another chance to do it right again. Like, that's fine. That's all well and good. That's the ending that I'm going to get because that's how I played the game through the first time. I said no to the shinobi, so I ended up killing the owl instead of killing Emma and Ishin. And so that's the path that I'm on, and I'm going to be happy with that one. So I guess the one that I end up doing is going to be, you know, the if the game wants me to do a perfect or a better ending, you've got to make it more apparent. Like, there has to be... I don't think it does. What do you mean? Like, I think that ending, the ending with the you becoming the sculptor, is kind of what they wanted. That okay, like, fair that's enough. the All ending right. they they were trying to have yeah. the player get to. That other one is so freaking complicated. Yeah, that I have to believe that From Software just put that in there for the hardcore. And so it's. I don't think it's their preferred ending. I think you're right. It does kind of have some weird plot holes in it, and. Uh, just no build up to it at all. And I think that's because it is kind of supposed to be just for those who want to see 100%. Um, and then the Shura ending, I think, is the really interesting one because uh, it's a bold move, I think. To, to be a developer who is willing to have players cut out almost an entire third of your game yeah. by ending a little bit earlier is 
that's confidence right there. Yes. Like that's confidence in your game yeah. and in the content that you're delivering. Cause you know that that other third is good. So even if they beat it, they may want to go back and see the rest of it. And on top of that, you're kind of like saying, ha ha sucks to be the guy who actually goes through and sees the true ending. Because if you want to 100% this game, you have to go and fight the bosses of the Shura ending as well. <laughs> so right. like you have to like, there's a bit of a trade-off. You're going to have different experiences for sure. And then on top of that, it is the tragic ending. And so it's almost punishing you narratively for picking it and kind of compromising because it is a moment of, and you feel it. Like when you have, when you're presented with that choice, I immediately stopped and I was like, this is important. Yes. You yes. can very clearly tell that this is going to change everything because if you side with uh, Owl, then you're going against Kuro, who you've been with this entire time and been right. trying to do his bidding. Yeah. And so that's clearly going to change things. And the game in the and, in the intro cut scene to the game sets you up for that choice by saying your father's yes. will is first and then your master's is second. Like so it, it I love that. that's a good way to set something up for big choices and big things to happen. Not these weird alternate endings that like take some literally they do take some cheesing to achieve. And I don't like that yes. at all. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's that, I guess that's what I was trying to say is like that that Shura ending is a really awesome bold statement of like yeah you you chose the bad route you're going to have a truncated experience now the game's going to end early and it's going to be a tragic one yeah and you can go the main route and then there's that third one as well that if you really want to go for you can um, but I just I think it's a bold move for sure and I, I appreciate that. Um, to for just for the just for the variety that it gives and for the fact that it actually makes that choice worth something and that it actually follows through with it because so many games make choices worthless so right um moments of woe and maybe we can wrap up with that jared what was like a moment where you were just like awestruck where you were like this is awesome um what was like the one, maybe the the pinnacle, or maybe the first one? What was the one that like really stands out in your mind? Like whoa moments, game? yeah, awestruck. Like oh snap, or like yeah, or like holy crap, that's that's a really beautiful looking whatever, or like you know whatever it is. Fighting every time I got close to a boss, death blow, and got a little too hungry, and my heart started racing. <laughs> you know the feeling. Your heart starts racing, oh you're too gosh. close, you can sense their posture is about to break, but you still have to be patient, you still have to be correct. There are so many times that that happened fighting Genichiro, Ashina, first phase, right? Where, the, but the biggest awe moment for me was when Genichiro transitions to third phase and turns lightning because I text you when <laughs> yes. I beat him. <laughs> I got his, you know, his two death, and it's it's a no nonsense fight. Like you got to get two death blows off this guy, right? And then he transitions into Genichiro way of Tomoe, and you're like, what, what? Like that. That was the biggest woe moment for me. Um, I guess in terms of in terms of combat, in terms of land and world and exploring the snake, the god of the valley. Like when you first encounter him and he's hunting for you, and you're like this, you feel like a little rat being hunted by a snake like that was the biggest <laughs> woe moment as far as the world goes and then also terrifying when you first discover headless that is yes. freaking crazy like that's an absolutely bonkers uh moment for sure so those like three, crawls under your skin you immediately are like nope yes. like that's like a nope moment and you want to go yes, the exact opposite exactly. direction 
How about you? That is, yeah, that's a that's a great pick. Uh, moment of woe for me. I think fighting the divine dragon was yes. like just a culmination. Beautiful. I was like, this is it. Like this is so worth the journey Beautiful. to get to this yes. moment. And it's not a hard fight. It's very cinematic. And so because of that, I just sat back and and just just soaked it in. You know, um, the other moment of woe, kind of from a combat side of things, echoes yours because Sekiro does this a few times where it like. It says, not quite yet, buddy. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, you think you finished this boss? Not quite yet, yep. buddy. Sorry, there's there's a little bit more to it. And Genichiro is that first one. And I remember, like, audibly groaning. Like, I beat Genichiro that second time. I was like, yes, finally did it. And then he, I, there's the cutscene. I'm like, okay, he's still alive in the cutscene. He's going to jump off the edge. He's not jumping off the edge. He's dialoguing. He's facing off. I'm fighting him again. Yeah. And I was like, I hate this game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, my, I was like, I screw this. And I know I died that first time on that third. So like you, you like are so focused on defeating those two death blows. And it's such a amazing moment when you finally do perform that death blow that you're like, all this tension is released. You're like, yeah. Oh, and then the, the, the boss stands freaking back up, bro. Yeah. No thanks. That sucks. So I remember. So my my moment of that was the guardian ape. Oh my goodness, dude. Yeah. And the second guardian ape fight. I literally laughed. I laughed in the second guardian ape fight. Like my my wife was like, "What in the world is going on in there?" Because you walk into that cave, you see the headless ape. You're like this fricker again, and then you beat him. You take out one, and then another freaking ape drops down. Oh my goodness. I like. I I literally just was running away and I was like, why would they do this? Yeah. Who <laughs> who in their right mind yeah. would think this is okay? Um, because that guardian ape, it, and it tricks you so good. It gets you, that first time, it gets you so good. Because it only has one death blow, which for a, a beast enemy probably would make kind of sense. I think the boar only had one death blow, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And... <clears throat> You're fighting him. He's crazy difficult. Um, you are able to pull off a shinobi execution, and you chop off the dude's freaking head, and it's this really awesome moment. And you're like, okay, he's dead. There's no, there's no, there's nothing else. And it's it's quiet. There's nothing else going on. There's no cutscene. Doesn't cut to anything. You go on to what your objective is supposed to be, and all of a sudden, behind you, the the, the body rises up, picks up its head, and then it starts to attack you again with the sword, and. I just remember like my heart dropping and like freaking out because it does it has like headless vibes. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the point. It's kind of supposed to reflect those headless fights. Um, so in that way, it is terrifying. But then on top of that, like I just the the guardian packed such a punch that he was he was wrecking me. Yeah. So much already. And then that second fight, I just I had such a hard time with. Um, that being said, that was my get good moment. Yeah. I don't know if I mentioned that before, but once I got past that second Guardian Ape, I pretty much, not blazed through, but I was able to get through to the end of the game. Yeah. Pretty handily. And then, of course, the final boss being where I really put in some heavy amounts of time. Yeah. But, um, I think yeah, that would be my moment of woe. I really wish there was more moments to sever immortality. Like, the Ape is the biggest one, right? Hanbei is another big one. The Undying... I just didn't feel like, well, I guess the corrupted monk too. I don't know. I just, I don't know. Sure. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with that because I think less is more. Yeah. I mean, maybe um, I don't like know. If you were I... doing that for some random, like if even if it was like 
one specific kind of mini boss that you fought like four times, it would feel less to me. Yeah. Personally. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but to each his own. Fair enough. Any any final gripes, Jared? No, I just the, the no, not really. I, I've mentioned all of them. I, the music is great. The sound effects are immersive. There's so much good about this game. I, I can't really think of any other gripes. I really felt like a lot. The combat was fair. I felt like using all of your tools. I felt like the loading screens and the items you found in the area hinted towards what you were supposed to do. Like when I found a ceramic shard, I was like, oh. I should probably use this to distract someone or there's probably a stealth area ahead or I'm probably going to have to draw out some enemies, etc. Mm-hmm. Whenever I saw the loading screen that was like, you can deflect lightning, I was like, lightning? No one has used lightning up until this point. So I know <laughs> it's coming. Like that's what my thought yeah. process was. So I felt like the game was fair. I mean, it, it's going to catch you off guard and I don't want to, you know, um, ruin it for too many people, although we do talk about spoilers here. But, but yeah, I would... This game, just go into this game knowing that it's going to test your patience. And if you just decide mm-hmm. you're going to get through it and be humble about it, it's like you will die a lot and that's okay. Failure is the point. Then, yeah, you know, that you're, you're going to have a great time. I really love this game. I think it absolutely, I think it's better than Dark Souls. I'll say it like that. I think it's better than Dark Souls uh, in, in all the right ways. I totally agree. Certainly in explaining itself. <laughs> yes. It's a lot more clear. Yes. On yeah, even just loading screens and stuff. Yeah. Um I don't think I have any other major gripes. Um uh, this journey, man, there are no words. Like it's it's twists, mm-hmm. challenges, moments of woe. They have to be experienced to be understood and really the satisfaction of mastering this uh game is is Without peer, I think. I agree. Um, and because of that, I think it, it should be entered into the Hall of Games. Um, I think it should be entered into the Hall of Games just based on the fact that it has a grapple. 10-10 right there. Um, <laughs> but the rest of the game is pretty cool, too. So uh, we'll let it in for other reasons as well. As long as you're okay with that, Jared. Absolutely. Are there any objections? No, no objections. I, I think that the small things that it doesn't get right um, are more than compensated by the major stories, gameplays, and uh, vibes and auras that this game gives off that it does excellently. So lots of small uh, nitpickings, but lots of big checkboxes hit with this game. So excellent, excellent, excellent. Do you want to see a sequel? Yeah. Heck yeah. I'd love to see a sequel. I'd play the heck out of a sequel. Okay. I don't know how I feel about that. I like the standalone-ness. I would love to see them adapt other cultures like when when are we going to get it this is such an interesting idea but like when are we going to get a game that dives deep into like sub-saharan african culture or middle eastern culture and you like you get kind of the sekiro of the middle east we get plenty of games about asia we have plenty of games about Mm -hmm. medieval knighthood in europe when are we going to get the sekiro like red dead redemption is the american version the cowboy version of this right you know it's a little easier obviously but you see what I'm saying? Like, take this formula of difficulty, dive into a culture. It, it can be as niche as you want. You can make anything interesting. You can create a fictional culture yeah, in Antarctica for all I care. Go ahead. It could be anything you want. But, like, apply the ability that From Software has to make incredible games to every culture, and I'll, I'd play all of them. I'd give you all my money from software. I'm telling you now. Man, I would play the crap out of a Sekiro of the Congo yes, game. Yes, yes, exactly. 
That would be freaking awesome. All right, well, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice entered into Kachunk, the Hall of Games. Very good, very good. Um, I'm man, I'm I'm really excited to see what they do with Elden Ring because it looks yes. like they've they've learned some lessons from Sekiro. Like yes. you've got a lot of that movement, it seems like, and I could see Elden Ring being the perfect conglomeration yes. of that RPG side yep. and that heavy skill focus side Pure, that is just like yes pure fantasy yeah. too like it doesn't it doesn't really have any right. ties to any one specific culture it just looks like pure fantasy and that's going to be awesome mm-hmm. yeah super awesome so really looking forward to that um they knocked out of the park with sekiro as i feel like they often do and that's going to be it for our episode thanks for listening of course be sure to tell a friend about the podcast drop us a five-star review or check out our past episodes for more backlog in-depth conversations thank you for surviving this bit of a train wreck of an episode i know i was choking and dying for a little bit there i muted jared at one point and so there's a little bit of things that are uh gonna make this one a bit of a bumpy one but i appreciate you taking the time to listen Uh, i hope you agree with our decision and if you don't tell us why until then Jared, what's our final word for this week? Uh, you know, I don't even know. <laughs> final final <laughs> word is stay cool, everyone. It's hot outside. It's summertime. and Get ready for that, uh, yeah. that fall semester. Here we go. All right. We'll see you guys next time.